You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. Today I'm joined by James Rushton. We're going to be looking at all the latest Aston Villa rumours and transfer news and you know, all the different things flying around. It's very much silly season underway. James, how are you doing this fine afternoon? All good, thank you. Uh, there is uh, plenty to write about, and it is uh, frustrating me when I when I get into a deeper piece and some rumor comes up from Turkish media, and you're like, ah, oh, you've got me again, lads. By the way, I'm recording this podcast properly, but I've got my, got my laptop in front of me for people who aren't listening, so I can see James for once, which is unusual for the podcast. And I've also got a big list of names, so please do excuse me if I if I just keep looking this way. The biggest one that people are talking about. And I'm surprised at how realistic people are, are thinking this is. And maybe I'm the, the odd one out here. Mr. Tammy Abraham. If that happened, it would be amazing. I see a lot of doubters of Tammy Abraham. And that's, that, sent, that sent us around a clip that was circulating of him missing sitters. Um, in actual fact, he registered 15 expected goals, scored 15. He performed well at the start of the season, maybe fizzled out at the end. That's called form. You have this balance <laughs> in the middle. You know, that's called form. And that, you know, throughout that's the called season, being a young you footballer look, as well. Yeah, 22, scoring 15 goals in the Premier League. That is a player, ironically, that Chelsea would buy. Like, So for me, I mean, this will be very controversial. I feel like Chelsea should be looking at a way to get him starting a lot and improve him and build him. Yeah. into a real, He's a massive asset now, don't get me wrong. If he goes to Villa, it'll be like, it'll be Villa's biggest signing of all time by some mile. It'll be yeah. like between 30 to 60 million pounds that he'll go for if, not, if it's not like a loan to buy or something mad. Like... This player is a very good player. We've seen him at Villa and he did it again in the Premier League. So, you know, he's not just some, you know, one hit wonder. He's a, a very good and very young player. If he'd if he'd have struggled with Chelsea this year and barely played, you'd be looking at that going, oh, a bit like Twan Zaber, who's not on this list, ironically, because he's not been talked about much, but a little bit like that, that he goes back to his parent club and, and doesn't feature. And you look at that and think, oh, come back to Villa then. Like, we, like, we can give you a career. If the same thing had happened with Tammy, you would say, yes, come back. You can, you can play games for Villa and score goals in the Premier League. But he's, he's doing that for Chelsea. They're in the Champions League next season. They need a bigger squad. Surely they, they aren't going to want to sell him. And if they are... A 22-year-old English forward. How much can you can you put on that? 50 million, 60 million. Chelsea can charge what they yeah. want. Are Villa going to go out and pay 60 million for Tammy Abraham? Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Tammy in a in a, in a Villa shirt, even if that's a loan without an option to buy just for one season. I'd love to see him back. But if we can buy him for 50 million, yeah, I'll be all over that. But that does not seem like a realistic purchase to me. See, I've got this rational side of my brain which says it's not. And I've got the fan side, which yeah. it absolutely is. The thing is, if he was called, if he was like a highly rated Dutch forward that um, Chelsea bought for twenty five million last season, called Amit Abraham, and he did the exact same things, like you wouldn't think it was realistic, right? It's because he's got that history of Villa, and you see kind of the situations going on. I feel like there might not be that spending power to bring him in, but I also feel like if you do want that striker, that main man who's going to start every game, yeah, he might have an injury here or there, but you've got like whatever, Wes or Samata to come in for those those games or rotate in. Yeah, yeah. You know, he is that guy. He does fit that bill. Yes, he checks a lot of boxes. To a great extent. But it, for me, it, does, it, it doesn't check the realism box. He, he, he will want to continue playing for Chelsea in the Champions League to try and get into the England squad. So why drop down yeah. to Villa, who might be in a relegation battle again? Yeah, unfortunately, I think realism dilutes a lot of the dream, and this is like it is a big don't. It's not like a dream signing; it's a great signing. I feel like there are, there are other players who like Andrea Bellotti, who might come in as a, or Andre Silva, who might come in as some kind of dream signing where Villa kind of pierce all this kind of 
unrealism to bring in someone who is just so out there that it fills every box and makes the club seem like such a bigger club and such a better club ready to f- achieve so much more. I don't think Tammy Abraham is that, but he's certainly such a, a still at such a high level where the price is so high that it is it dilutes a lot of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I feel like you speak about Abraham, but I feel like there's so much of there's so much other options for him. Like he he has done that at Chelsea. He could sit back and he I bet his agent if if Chelsea do go right, he's on the market. There'll be so many great offers on his doorstep that he could take. Like, yeah. When you get to that level, like the world is, is the world is kind of your oyster. It's similar to Jack Grealish. I bet Jack if Jack if Villa went right with selling him, the amount of offers he'd have, it wouldn't just be Man United. It'd be all sorts of places. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've started this podcast with the biggest name and the biggest room, and I feel like I've shut it down pretty, pretty quickly and kind of put put the dampers <laughs> on things. But it just, in my opinion, and I've been wrong on this podcast multiple times, and I'll happily be proved wrong again. I don't see a situation where Tammy Abraham is wearing a Villa shirt next season. I hope that you are clipping that, and it's like got sad music over, and Me it's too. a photo of Abraham Kappa shirt, kazoo across the middle, <laughs> Abraham, bang, there he is. The second name on the list is a name that doesn't seem to go away. Uh, I think he's been linked with us for at least two transfer windows at this point. Uh, ben Rama. So Ben Rama, of course, amazing, yeah, amazing forward. And uh, him and Mr. Watkins, uh, I think tonight, as I've recorded, they they could be in the Premier League. Yes, well, that's the thing, isn't it? I've, I've put these two names on the list. Um, Ollie Watkins, obviously up top. Ben Rama, I think he scored seventeen goals or something like that in, in the Championship this, yeah. this season, which is a fantastic return. Um, two two really good players who, again, Brentford couldn't kind of say we can charge whatever we want. Do you think that these two specifically on this list are all dependent on what happens in that player final tonight? If those two are in the Premier League come uh, 10 o'clock tonight or whatever it is, or when this podcast is out, people will know whether Brentford are in the Premier League or not. Yeah. If those two are in the Premier League, Brentford will kind of think that they can hold on to them, I would have thought. They will get some big offers, particularly Ben Rama. I think Chelsea have been linked with him. Um, if, even if they go up, some big offers could take them away from Brentford. Whether that's the Villa or not, I'm not so sure. If they're still in the Championship, then yeah, I think a lot of clubs will come swooping for both of those two. And again, not to shut it down so early on in the episode, I don't feel like Villa have got the the clout maybe to, to pull those in. I think if an Arsenal come in for Ben Rama and Villa come in for him and it's up to the player, he's going to pick Arsenal, isn't it? People do say... You know, he won't go to Chelsea, Arsenal, wherever, because uh, he'll be a backup. But that's throughout history, that has never really truly mattered, has it? Because Arsenal and Chelsea have bought good young players who accept their backups, and some of them never end up playing for the first team, but they still make that move over other options. I mean, Chelsea's lone arm is just a big example of that. But that doesn't mean Villa can't. It just means that if there are other people in that market for the player, regardless of if Brentford go up or down, they can still have have a big... Big, big defence in their name saying they can just name a price because there's other people who will pay that price yeah. and just not even play him. So it's it's a tough one because you look at Ben Rahman, the way he plays, he there's all these defensive little puzzles in the championship that he will unlock with flair. He will use his flair and creativity at the right time and strike with some venom. You, you know, his goal record speaks for itself over the last two seasons. I wish Villa got him kind of last season, but Again, his price has probably only gone up and I feel like the price he might end up going for, I mean, this is just kind of just speaking with so much stuff in the air, the price he may end up going for, Dan, would be a, a big chunk of Villa's budget and I know the three yeah. positions Villa need to fill are left wing, cent, um, centre forward and right wing. They need to get 
key additions there to move forward. And Ben Rama is one of those key additions. But would he go for such an amount of money where it dents your main target as centre forward? Again, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because if they're in the championship, Brentford will 100% be selling them because I don't think they'll be able to fend off the offers. If they get promoted, it is a slightly different story. But I still think a big club will come in for at least Ben Rama. Um, it almost feels a little bit like the Mares kind of mould. A little bit, yeah. Kind of will we'll go to a big club like a Man City and be around the edges and feature here and there. Um, ben Rama is the one out of those two that I think I would prefer. I think he ticks a lot of boxes. It feels like it could more realistically happen than Tammy, but yeah, I feel like a bigger club or a club will, with more financial clout will come in and say, right, here's sixty million done, and Villa will say, well, we could have done thirty maybe, but we can't do sixty because we need to spend so much elsewhere. There's a big kind of argument of whether Grealish stays or goes depends on what Villa do in the transfer market. Villa will spend a hundred million plus, I think, regardless. If Grealish goes and he goes for a big fee of seventy-five million, Villa could say, well, right, well we're going to spend all of that seventy-five million as well, and if that means you can bring in a Tammy, a Ben Rama and a couple of others, and you're spending a good £150 million, then yeah, fair enough, you, you can go after all these guys, and that would be probably an improved Villa side overall. But again, I've, I've said this a few times, whether it's on here or Facebook Live or anything else, it feels like we're playing a very easy game of football manager here to just pick kind of the yeah. best players from the championship or the or some, some great players from a top club that aren't really playing and just going, yeah, we'll have them. And none of them seem that realistic to me. I don't know whether I'm just maybe overly pessimistic about the situation. I'm sure the comments will definitely let me know whether I am being. But I just I just don't see these moves happening because I think bigger sides will come in for me. I think if Villa were around 10th this year and had looked to kind of progress, then yeah, maybe. But because we struggled and only survived on the last day, it's very easy to say, oh, well, Villa will be better next year. But a player and an agent looking at that might be going, oh, we, we know we'll be comfortable with the Crystal Palace or Newcastle or Everton. Whereas a Villa, it's such a gamble that, is it is it worth it? Yeah, I still feel like even though there's you know a lot of optimism, of course, I'm still full of optimism. You know, Villa are probably still rated 17th in the league above the teams. You know, Leeds, um, West Brom, and the team that will come up in the playoff. They're still out of all the teams that exist, the lowest bar. Like that is that's that's the, the plain truth of the matter of where they finish. Yes, it's an improvement from last season when they were the lowest team after yeah. coming through the playoffs. <laughs> But, like, it's only a minor um, kind of improvement. I mean, Jack Grealish is a big, big sway, so it all depends on where yes, what he does, true. where he goes. It's a sway in the reputation of the team, a sway in the reputation of the, the, the coaches. It's a sway in the reputation of the playing style or future success. It, it means a lot. So I think a lot of this does hang on. Does he go and give us a, a massive amount of financial clout in this market, even more so than we have already got? Does he stay, uh, kind of limit that spending power, but we have, you know, we have... We can sell the fact that it was a massive player in this team, a yeah. true creator who can make other players better. And as far as the coaches who have improved the general quality of the squad. I think third name on this list is um, a kind of st- step down in quality compared to Ben Rama, but again, a very decent player. Uh, Ezo <laughs> from QPR, 14 goals and eight assists in the championship this season. A lot of talk about him with Crystal Palace um, as a potential Zahar replacement, I would assume. Uh, a couple of bids rejected is, is what the, the rumours seem to be of kind of 15 million-ish. Um, it seems like QPR want 20 million plus for him. He's, he's 22. He's had a good year in the championship. It feels like one of those kind of players that Villa should be looking at. I feel like if Villa kind of feel a bit sick at the price of Ben Rama and they feel like that's affecting them too much, as he speaks to me, as if they want 20 million, 
Villa should just put that off, right? I know we yeah. said this on FB Live, but that is just a very simple thing to do. 20 million, leave it or take it. If Crystal Palace, whomever want to fight over him, that's fine. Here's 20 million. If you want to take it, here's some add-ons as well. Make it sweeter. It's it's simple for me. He'd be a very good player. He'd pro- yeah, I think he would be a starter for Villa as well. He'd come in and, and start oh, straight 100%. away on the win. I think we, me and Matt talked about this in the last episode, so do forgive me if I'm repeating myself. The players that played in the first team this year have to become, not all of them obviously, but they have to become the backup squad for next season in the Premier League or this season in the Premier League if we've if we've transitioned into it being called this season yet. Um, yeah. People like Harahan starting games, El Ghazi, they've got to be your bench players next season. Matt Target possibly yeah. at left back if, you, if you're looking to improve the defence. I don't think there's much value in signing a player that will be second fiddle to the players we've already got because for large parts of this season the players we've got weren't good enough so if we're signing someone that's the understudy to El Ghazi I fear we've signed the wrong player <laughs> you've got you've got to be yeah. in those positions where we're struggling four positions maybe a centre half I feel like you've got to go and sign someone who's going to play straight away and the players that were playing last season become your bench then yeah I feel like if ever Eze comes in so you've got a starting winger he's young he's got quality I feel like to players like Trezeguet and Algarzi that should only spur them on to be better because yeah like I don't get this thing about guaranteed starters right. I don't want guaranteed starters coming in. I'm not saying that the players we should buy shouldn't start. I'm saying that no place in this Villa team should be a guarantee because if it's a guarantee, it's comfortable. It's you know, it makes it too easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But even even then, if if you don't feel like your position's under threat, um, Jack Grealish is an exceptional differently, different players in a different league and a different mindset. The other players, I'm not saying they're, they're lazy, or but it's very easy in a position in football or sport where if you want in any way under threat and you don't have to keep pushing yourself and Conor Harahan's different because you know he always pushes himself to a higher and higher and higher level whenever there is something you know behind him waiting to take his place he will push on and push on and push on that's the character he is you need to keep that going you need to tell our guys right we've got this player coming in are you going to step your performance levels up or are you going to be very comfortable kind of coasting as a rotation player? Because if you are comfortable coasting as a rotation player, what's going to happen is you're going to come into your last year of the contract, you're going to go to back, back to Belgium or you're going to go into the French League or La Liga for five million. That's yeah. what's going to happen. And, and then your reputation, you, you might return in three or four years to be a higher level, but you've got the chance now to really kick on. You must kick on because we're, going to, we're only going up from here. The fourth name on this list um, is James McCarthy from Crystal Palace. The the rumored fee is that they want kind of five million for him. Um, in my notes that I'm keep I keep reading is not the most exciting name on this list, but a steady squad player. And this yeah. feels like the first with Eze, the first kind of realistic kind of names that Villa will be looking at signing. And it's not sexy. It's one of those ones that is a little bit under the radar. But if it yeah. improves the squad and it's replacing maybe a Nakamba that moves moves abroad to Turkey, there's been some links today. Um, Drinkwater has obviously gone back on back to where is he? Burnley? Is he, is he Chelsea? Is he, oh, Chelsea, of course. Yeah, he was only lying at Burnley. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So he's not going to come back. So you're looking at you're going to have to sign a couple of midfielders that aren't going to come in and be first choice starters because if we're signing a first choice starting central midfielder I mean it's going to have to be Paul Pogba or something to, to dislodge the, the starting three that we've got at the moment you would expect McGinn, Grealish and Douglas Luiz to start next season unless like I say we go and sign some massive name for 50-60 million you're going to have to make a couple of signings that are there as squad players and James McCarthy feels like an upgrade on Danny Drinkwater and kind of the obvious um analysis that I've seen on, on Twitter is that he, he will offer more than Henry Lansborough. So surely for something like five million, these are the kind of signs that will come through the door at Villa and, and offers a little bit of uh, experience as well. 
the link that come out about Jeff Hendrick as well, um, saying he was offered to Aston Villa. There'll be a lot of players offered to Aston Villa. There's going to be hundreds of players a season yeah. offered to Aston Villa because that is how the market moves. You have to buy to sell. People want to sell. People want free trade. But if, if in Hendrick's case, if he's a free agent, people want to move him. People want their clients paid. People want their clients happy. With James McCarthy, it's a difficult one because I didn't expect people to be competing for him, but there's a few names in for him. Um, he had a tough few years at Everton. He had a hamstring issue that was really badly managed between um, the Irish international level and the club club level. They couldn't agree on playing time. So that's just an injury that's been really aggravated. And then he had a horrific leg break as well. Um, I don't really like saying injury prone and I went at length describing why I'm, I'm not happy with that word because people assigned it to Tyrone Mings who had two serious injuries that are completely unrelated. If it's a related issue and there's no context for it being related, you know, then it's injury prone. But there, there are very few players at the highest level because if you're truly injury prone, you don't even get to this level. You know, if you've got something that keeps you out season after season, you know, it's, it's different context. But James McCarthy comes in five million and I'm thinking probably more so a backup between the position of Douglas Louise and John McGinn. I feel like Villa can't be in that position ever again where if McGinn goes out, they, are, they don't have any option. Douglas Louise goes out and you've got Nakamba. I feel a lot more comfortable, but I, I do feel more comfortable if there's someone drink water-ish who's not, so highly paid, who yeah. who wants to improve, who's under 30. I feel like James McCarthy fits that bill. And I know he's unfashionable. I know he's probably not the, the really sexy name that people want. But you have to think about upgrading the general quality of the squad yeah. rather than just the top tier. Because, again, it goes back to what we said about our guys in Harahan. You need that layer pushing up who wants to get into the squad. You need, you need that. The next name on this list, again, feels very football manager to me. Feels like a kid playing FIFA 20, and he, he's he's <laughs> thought he's thought of this and stuck it on Twitter. Divock Origi is a name that's doing the rounds a lot on social media. As a as a again, people seem to think this is a serious option. It doesn't seem realistic that Divock Origi is going to drop down from Premier League winning, Champions League winning, Club World Cup winning Liverpool to possibly fight relegation fires with Aston Villa. What goes for Origi is I feel like if he was to start for a team. Every week in and week out, you're looking at a player kind of 15 goals, double digits easy. Yeah. Like he's got that in him. Like, I mean, seven, like if you look at the Premier League over the last, it's probably since Brendan Rodgers was there, right? When Villa were relegated, he hasn't started much. Liverpool do need to move him on, right? Because his wage is only going to go up every year with wage rises. He's only going to become more valuable the more times he steps off the bench and buries an important goal. Um, his stock has probably never been as high as it is now. If they probably to keep him for another season, they probably can't get away with going, yeah, he's come off the bench and scored loads of goals. You know, he's an asset. Especially with Rian Brewster coming up, you've got an option there to kind of make some money, move a player on, bring in a, a youth player to be that backup. Um, he will probably go this summer. Whether it's to Villa, I don't know. Um, is there many teams you could go to? I'm not too sure. But then again, you've got those teams floating around where Villa are, Palace, Newcastle, West Ham, uh, Burnley, anyone who, if he becomes on the market, he suddenly becomes a very interesting proposition to a number yeah. of teams. You probably already have that position filled. But look, seven starts, four goals. For me, it's close to a no-brainer as it, as it comes, depending on the fee. To kind of counter my own negativity, um, <laughs> when you say those list of names that he could go elsewhere, West Ham, Newcastle, Burnley, Crystal Palace, I look at that and think, well, Villa. Villa is easily the best yeah. club out of that, the biggest club and the best club out of those. Good infrastructure, infrastructure, good stadium, good facilities, all the rest of it. Attra- attractive kind of sexy option compared to a Burnley, for example. Again, yes, I'd love to see him at Villa. I think he's a great player, but 
again, doesn't quite feel realistic for some reason. I feel like Villa can make the strongest case for him because they've got quite an open role. Compared to like Burnley, you've got Chris Wood, West Ham, we've got Antonio and Allaire, you know, Newcastle, we've got Joe Linton. They've got all these teams, they've got big players they've invested in. And Villa are the same with Wesley, but the difference is Wesley's injured. He's not He's not available right now. Villa have an urgent need for a striker. They can make that case. But then again, you've got probably West Ham, any of these teams who can, who's probably see the opportunity cost. Is it more valuable to add to a congested striking force in their team than to pass up on the opportunity to, to sign someone who could be a very good striker? Another player that's uh, dependent on tonight's fixture is Alexander Mitrovic, who's obviously playing for Fulham against Brentford in that playoff final. Uh, he scored 26 goals in the championship. Um, he did okay for them for Fulham in the Premier League as well I think he got 10 or 11 or something like that in the season that they went down but he's got this kind of reputation and in my notes I've put wind up merchant or hothead <laughs> it's kind of a kind of nicer way of saying he's a, he's a bit of a bit of a loose cannon from time to time uh, I don't know whether that's a kind of lazy cliche thrown at him as, a, as someone who doesn't watch him every week but sees him get sent off from time to time and think oh I don't know if I quite like that character in my side is that the kind of signing or the kind of personality that you think Villa would go for or do they kind of excuse my lazy analysis and think well he's a goal scorer and that's what we need yeah, it's definitely a goal scorer there. 26 goals at championship level is absolutely fine by me, but especially the one that interests me most, 11 goals for a very poor Fulham side in the Premier League. I mean, it's down on the kind of the, I think the expected goal tally around 15 uh, expected goals, but you kind of expect that when the team's kind of doing so poorly, you expect it from yeah. in most cases. But Fulham were a different, you know, a different gravy in the worst possible sense to uh, Villa last season. He does intrigue me, but I feel like he's a player who can get lost in the Premier League when there's he'll be up against better defenders. This is a player who is of genuine quality. That's in a very different situation now. And I, I don't know. I, I feel like the money they'd want for him, and if, if you've got a Rigi 25 million, a Mitrovic 30 million, kind of what, what do you go for? I'd go a Rigi in that case. Yeah, you know, it's or, or do you or do you go for the player who's had more playing time? I think that's a very that's a di- that's the definition of a dilemma. Without the wing options, I feel like Mitrovic. I know Villa will upgrade the wings, but to get Mitrovic to get him in a situation where he's getting lost in midfield, the other team can play a higher line. It congests the pitch. You know what I mean? They can't. You you need yeah. you need that front three. So if Mitrovic is 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 the the centre heart centre point of an upgraded front three, I'm fine with that. If they spend, but if that takes out kind of the money they'd spend on the wings, if that five million is such a massive difference, it'd be a regi all day. One here that I'm I'm hoping you know a little bit more about is uh, hopefully you know how to pronounce it for a start. Kalichi Hianacha. No, you've ruined my gut joke. I was going to skip <laughs> over him because I think he's. I don't think it's worth talking about. To be honest. Um, the reason he's not worth talking about is because we had Leicester writer Jordan Blackwell, who we both know very well, saying it's probably not going to happen. Then again, things, surprising things happen in the transfer window. But with Leicester improving, he's a player on the up. I feel like he stays there. He's, he's on the list because people are talking about him, but it just doesn't feel like committing more than 60 seconds of airtime to him because I just don't think it'll happen. Yeah. The one that I was struggling to pronounce, because I can pronounce the Inacho, you'll be surprised to learn. The one underneath the name on this list is Odson Ed, Edward. 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 Edward from, from Celtic. Again, not, I'm not going to sit here and claim to know a lot about this guy, but he's played 60 games for them and scored 40 goals. Now, the lazy man down the pub analysis here would be that the league is not to a, a, the same kind of standard. He's young, though. Celtic have got him. He scores goals. They can kind of charge a big fee here for him if they want. Again, it feels like somebody like an Arsenal will come in for him or a Tottenham and 
pay 40 million and just be done and won't play him for a year or two, but he'll be in and around the Premier League. Yeah, I feel like Celtic have done very well. Again, it's like Rangers and Morelos. You've got two very good strikers at the two top teams in Scotland doing wonderful things. Eduard, though, for me, is a bit different because it... Celtic had Dembele, sold him, and he was great. Then I've got this next guy who stepped up. I mean, he was fourth last year for assists alone, if you're ignoring goals, and he was first in goals. So he's an all-rounder. He can do a lot of things. He's I don't know what his price tag is. I feel like the Scottish Premier League is really hard to judge for prices because, you know, that you, you see Morelos get kind of you know hyped for a big fee, and then it's like he's gone and going to a French club for 17 million the other day. You know what I mean? It's like it, it's all over the place. So depends what they would want. And I feel like they they will be within their rights to charge a massive fee in, term, in relative terms. Um, whether that, again, it's like Mitrovic Origi, does that price them out? Does it reduce the opportunity of moving for a different striker? Does Edouard's fee reduce the opportunity of bringing in additions elsewhere? It's always got to be weighed up. And then if you've got the director of football coming in, Johan Lange, and he's pre- presenting different options, you could be probably less known, more enticing, have that same record, have the same abilities of registering the same stats. It all depends because if they're going for a striker like this, there's a big chance that a striker could come out from nowhere, join Villa and do just as well. Yeah, there's, there'll be players that Villa are linked with and are working on deals on that aren't anywhere near this list because we won't even have heard of them because no. they'll be they'll be operating in different markets as you would expect them. And as, to be honest, as you kind of hope them to do because if you are looking at it as such a basic level as rumours that get floated around on social media and easy kind of links of an Ian Acho, for example, who would cost £25 million already in the Premier League, or you can sign a similar kind of player who you'd expect to give you the similar kind of return for £12 million from a different league, you would expect and hope Villa would go down that route because that's a, a smarter purchase. Yeah, it's, again, it's very easy to kind of go for these links and disbelieve what you want to disbelieve and think that it's like Abraham. Everyone wants to think Abraham's happening because everyone wants Abraham to happen. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Whereas people might be not so keen on other, stri- other players like James McCarthy. They don't think it's happening because they don't want it to happen. Yeah. The <laughs> truth is in, in between, there'll be a lot of moves that are linked for ages like Nakamba originated in a Zimbabwean report that people didn't believe then it happened. There'll be stuff like Wesley where it's just a smash and grab. We've got him move, which yeah. will just come out of nowhere. All things said, links happen for a reason. Uh, links happen because they're realistic. Links happen because agents have mentioned stuff. All links probably, most links, sorry, would have a basis of some sort of truth. Um, that doesn't mean it's happening, but there's some kind of truth in in a move being offered, in a move happening, or kind of a club looking at a player. Um, Edouard's probably definitely on Villa's radar, but whether they actually move for him, it's hard to say. So next up on the list is Rian Brewster, who's obviously a Liverpool player, but has been at Swansea since uh, since January. 11 goals in 22 this season, which is a you know, decent return, one in two. Probably will leave Liverpool, even if it is another loan. Is this someone that Villa should be looking at? Yeah, I feel like um, he's obviously got the credentials, a goal every two games there enough in the championship after coming in, being parachuted in in January. I think he um, performed fantastically well. Um, if I remember correctly, he scored in the playoff semi-final to kind of give him a bit of hope. He's ready for the step up, but I, I feel like any move that's going to happen is going to be a loan deal. If you look at the Origi stuff, moving on Origi, getting some money in, they'll, they'll get a good return on him. And moving Brewster up to be in that rotation as a backup seems the more realistic option. Yeah, I think rather than I think I've probably included this one more so to talk about the striker situation rather than Ryan Brewster himself. Yeah, what what happens with our striker setup now? Because obviously you would, it's pretty safe to assume that Villa will go big on signing a, a first name striker, a first team striker. Sorry, you'd have thought. That leaves Wesley to come back from injury, who obviously came in himself as as a first team striker, twenty two million. 
You've got Ali Samata who comes in in January to be the main man because of injury. You've got Keenan Davis gets kind of thrust into the first team because we need we need backup options. What happens to that striking setup now? Because Wesley's going to come back and compete for first spot again. You would assume we're only going to play one up front. What happens to Keenan Davis? Do we do we keep him around? Does he go out on loan? It's hard because you know Samata came in and he looked decent enough in the in these first couple of da- games scoring against Man City and Bournemouth and then nothing else happened really did it and uh, I think lockdown did for him I think he's come across he said he's not been able to go back home or wherever he knows he's stuck in Birmingham I mean not a horrible place to be by all regards <laughs> but like being stuck in a new place on your own during the global pandemic isn't like the best situation to it's be not in. Ideal, is it? his first half if you can call it that was much better than the second half the second half he didn't really have I mean, he had the intangible impact of being a leader, you know, helping direct the press, being a good character. But in terms of kind of on-the-pitch rewards, you didn't really get them really from Samata. And he's clearly got it in him. But I think this next season, most players will step up this next season. Wesley will be one when he returns. Hopefully, Samata will be another. Um, Keenan Davis is a hard one because he can clearly compete in the Premier League. He's clearly a uh, Premier League player, but whether he's a Premier League goal scorer is a completely different idea. He needs match minutes. He's at the point in his career where he definitely needs um, he needs a, goals. A yeah, he needs goals as well. He's come so close to scoring on a number of occasions. He needs that Premier League goal to kind of hopefully unlock the floodgates because when his match minutes have came, I mean, you can sit there and say, whatever, 50 appearances, one goal or whatever. Those match minutes have been so far, few and far between for him. I mean, you have to go back to Steve Bruce's full first full season at Villa for to see him have a sustained run in the team and that was when he was a, a lot younger he's clearly learned a lot he's come a, a very long way um I would like to keep him around personally um because I'm a big fan of his work around a big fan of his attitude he's you know stepped up from absolutely nowhere to come in as a Premier League caliber player whether he's a Premier League caliber goal scorer is a completely different thing and uh I'd feel like a loan in the championship would be the best option for Keenan Davies moving to the total opposite end of the pitch a name that will be familiar to, to every Villa fan and well, every football fan is a pretty big name big Pepe Reina the man that I should I said should never play for Villa again after he went walkabout against Leicester <laughs> obviously comes back and uh, and helps contribute two clean sheets in four games in, the, in those last four games to help keep Villa in the league and um, we talked about uh, goalkeeper a little bit on our Facebook live that we did uh, yesterday now um, do we need a goalkeeper and if we do is Pepe Reina the man to come in for even a, a three month loan a sixth month loan yeah I mean it'd be a free transfer however you look at it, Milan want him gone because A, he's not really going to get into the, the first team at AC Milan with uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma. I can't even pronounce that name. There's a bit no, more reflection in there. That was all right. No, a bit more reflection in the Donnarumma that I can't, I can do it on my own. We're in a situation now where I'm recording, <laughs> I'm tripping over myself. He's not getting, like the guy's been starting matches there since he was 16. He's a wonder kid still at the position. He's a massively experienced goalkeeper, even at a very, very young age. Pepperine is not getting past that unless there's yeah. a, a massive injury. Milan won't be looking elsewhere. He's paid a lot of money to do not a whole lot uh, at the San Siro. So I feel like Villa could make that offer. But then again, is he starting over Tom Heaton? I feel like there is a lot going for both keepers. But like, as you say, Tom Heaton 
he has made a lot of mistakes at Villa Tom Heaton. Um Bournemouth, not a lot. Not not a lot. He a has made mistakes. People don't remember that. I think Noyland um gets a lot of criticism and I think that is very fair. Um the way he kind of saves is a bit unorthodox. He he kind of it, it's always a deflection, not a not a hold. It's just kind of keeping that it's limiting those mistakes. And I think Pepe Reina, Tom Heaton, either one of them will limit those mistakes because they're senior goalkeepers with a lot about them. I know Reina made a massive mistake. He did pick up, he was a leader in that team, he was organising the defence. Tom Hitt, that's what Rayner and Tom Heaton do very well is they organise the defence and they're very, very vocal. Uh, Rayner probably more so. If Rayner's available, I would probably take him. Good dancer as well. Thank you. Not you. <laughs> oh, I thought you said good answer, not good dancer. Oh, no, no, no. Good yeah, dancer, but if you're mate. signing goalkeepers because they're a dancer, like, you might as well go down like the social club and everyone's had a few beers and <laughs> signed a neat, like the first guy you see. The next name on the list is one for you to talk about. Firstly, because I know the name and I recognise it and I don't know much about him. I also don't know how to pronounce it. Phonetically, I would say this is Hakan Kalhanaloglu. <laughs> Hakan Chananoglu. <laughs> I can't get Chalanoglu. I can't. It just gets stuck in my throat. Chalanoglu is the closest that this Brummie can uh, can do, and I'm not doing him justice. But um, I put him down as a winger. He has been a winger. He has succeeded on the wing. But for AC Milan, he's become a massive, massive part of their team in terms of assists and goal scoring. He's had a massive, massive impact. Um, before he wasn't. When I remember covering the club, he wasn't doing brilliantly and he always seems to get hammered by fans. I think there's a lot of high... If you think expectations at Villa are high, you know, just follow Milan for a season. Expectations there are massively, massively high for obvious reasons. Um, but this season, he's done he's done wonders for him. And it's, it's been in a more central role, though. Um, I think the player you would compare him most to in terms of position is probably... Jack Grealish like but he's a different player so Jack Grealish he's not going to take players out of the game by dribbling but by killer passes and I think Grealish does a little bit more of that he, he's got the whole package hasn't he Grealish he can shoot he can spray a long ball he can do a short pass then he can dribble so he's going to take a lot more players out of the game through that but um, Chalanoglu if he wants to play on the wing Villa should be in for him, but I don't think he wants to, which is, uh, he wants to be the main guy. He wants to be the number 10. And he's doing, he's succeeding with that at Milan. The problem for Villa as well is, I think, I mean, this has just been a suggestion to us. This player hasn't been linked at all to Villa. Yeah, he's yeah. just at a higher level in terms of the cashier demand, the transfer fee that would be demanded, and the clubs that would be interested in a player of his calibre. He might not necessarily be, be better than Jack Grealish at all, but just the, the context is way different. If you're playing at Milan to Villa, you're just... Even if you're a worse player, you're at a higher level. You're at a way higher level in terms of everything around about you. Next up then, a left back. Our first defender on this list, I believe, from Hearts, Aaron Hickey. Yeah. Um, a defender that leaves a mark on all that he plays against. <laughs> oh, that is grim. <laughs> he's been linked with us in the last couple of days. He's 18, but I've also seen that he's attracted interest from Bayern Munich. So is there any yeah. chance of uh, of Hickey coming down to Villa? I hope so. Um, it's a bit... It's like that Scottish Premier League gives such good value for fullbacks. You get Andy Robertson, Kieran Tierney, um, and Aaron Hickey's just another. They, they get starts at a young age, they're able to develop at a young age, and they get quite a high reputation from a young age. I know with Robertson, he moved to Hall before he moved to Liverpool, but the fact that Hall picked upon him and got him for such a cheap fee, it, it just shows what, what that league is all about. It's, it's a league where certain positions and certain nationalities, certain names, undervalued by people coming from there all the time and just blowing up. Yeah, exactly. Like you can pick up John McGinn if he's if he was playing in a different league and he had this, a different name and he was a different age, he'd be worth kind of double, at least triple what we paid for him, which is just it shows the value of that league. Um, I think Aaron Hickey's uh, an interesting one because I don't think he would come to Villa as a starter. 
like honestly because well, this is the thing There's, i'm going to jump ahead a little bit on our list and come back to uh to Aaron Hickey. it's a little bit further down if you're looking at it to rico henry obviously yeah. another left back uh currently at brentford so again falls into that mold of of depends what they do in the playoff final um the left back one's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I kind of sometimes I kind of feel like Matt Target is absolutely fine and is a steady six out of ten Premier League left back. That if you were putting together a list of left backs to sign and he wasn't already at Villa, he'd probably be on that list of yeah, he'd be a half decent option to come in and start. If we want to be better than Matt Target and we're talking about signing players to come in and improve the squad, do Rico Henry or Aaron Hickey do either of those things? Do they come in and displace Matt Target from match day one? Yeah, it's, it's the same as right back. Do, do you want to try to improve on Frederick Gilbert? Because for the money you'd have to pay for that, you would be taking such a big chunk out of like your striker signing and the front three. The front three is just the, it's what Villa have to sort. You can buy a defender if you want. You can buy a new centre back. You can buy a new defensive midfielder. If they're costing over twenty five million, you, you're going to put your the, the key areas of this squad that need reinforcing: right wing, left wing, centre forward. If you're buying left backs for fifteen to twenty five million, you're going to have problems because you're taking such a big part of your budget out. On it'll be somewhat of a luxury. Villa are fine with Target and Gilbert. Villa are absolutely for the level they are. They are absolutely fine. I mean, I remember seeing a clip of the amount of chances Target created from the left wing like, as a left back. Like they just weren't being converted. Like that's the problem. Is Villa need to spend up front so the players that are servicing are going to get their rewards in terms of assists and key passes because they're not getting that. I think you can improve Target. You can you can build on Gilbert. They're fine for the level we're at. That they are fairly young and they will still improve as seen by Gilbert over over the season. They get better. Target gets better over the course of a season as well. Um, I think the problem is that you want to be looking at more of your upgrading your Neil Taylor and upgrading your Al Muhammad and you want to be getting in a, play, a younger player who's going to be able to play beyond what Gilbert will do and improve yeah, behind them. Um, I think is the key. A lot of people would want a new left back and a new right back, but I think then then you fall into the mistake of last season, which is bringing so many players in to kind of overhaul the team. So there's a lot of risk and reward there. And I think Nico Henry and Aaron Hickey, do fill that perfect role of what we need as a somewhat cheaper backup. And also, if you were looking to spend another 12 to 15 million on a left back, are you going to get much better than Matt Target anyway? In which case, it isn't a priority position and we're talking nonsense at this point. Yeah. Ideally, enough. yes. A new left back, yeah. If you were kind of doing your wish list, that would be on there, but it's not a priority position. And I think if you've got 100 million to spend, spending 15 to 20 on a left back, when you could put that extra 10 or 15 million towards a striker, like a Tammy Abraham, like we mentioned earlier, to push his his transfer fee up and say, yeah, let's fle- let's flex some cash. Yeah, that's fair enough. We'll go for Milo or Milo Milot Milot Rashika Rashisha Rashika. <laughs> you almost close there. Um, it, close it's a, you know, we all fail to pronounce uh, Rashita's name properly, including myself. Because Rashita is it? Rashita. Rashita. The fact is that he has been linked to Villa a lot. Um, and the fact is he'd be a decent enough signing for Villa because the criticisms he got were very similar to Jack Grealish in that, oh, he's always trying to do it himself. He's trying to put the whole team on his back. And I kind of like that attitude. Like That's an attitude you want. And I feel like sometimes that goes down to selfishness correctly. 
Um, but I feel like it's taken a lot of burdens on yourself. He was the best part of a, a, a poor team. He liked pressing high. Um, he's got an eye for goal and he's great on a counter-attack. And I feel like Liverpool have identified him for that particular reason. Is that the speed on the counter, the willingness to take the ball after losing it is a, a very, very highly regarded metric in that team. So for me, yes, but I feel like it's again like Chananoglu. It's a bit unrealistic in the sense that the teams that will be looking at him would worry Villa because... It's, it's the opposite of the Eze thing as well. It's like Villa could put 20 million down for Eze and go take it or leave it. If you do that with Dortmund, Leipzig and Liverpool, who are perhaps interested in him. I don't know about Liverpool's interest anymore, but Dortmund and Leipzig definitely. If you put 20 million down, they'll just go, okay, 30 then, whatever. Like, it won't matter to them. It matters to Villa. Um, is, am I right in thinking that you can play striker and out, out wide as well? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be that, that appeals a, to me. If Villa can pull it off, I feel like it's very unrealistic. But if they can, it'll be it'll be a marquee signing, absolutely no doubt. It'll be uh, hopefully a season-defining one. I know it's very hard to say because they, players change after a transfer; they land at a different club in a different environment. You can't really judge because it's like going to a Rigi and Mitrovic and asking them to be the same player in a Villa team. That's expecting a lot of different things, especially from a Rigi. Um, so nothing can be said really until he until he joins. But I'd, or if he joins. Um, but if he does join, it's it's a no question. He'd be straight starter, absolutely game in game out. The next one on the list is a player that I don't think will will leave his current club, but he's got a more accurate uh, bring him home campaign than Tammy Abraham's got, and that's Michael Brighton from from Leicester, obviously Premier League winner. Lucky Michael Brighton, podcast guest as well. Michael Brighton, love lovely lovely guy. I believe he's still got two years left on his Leicester deal. And, and speaking to to our colleague Jordan, who writes about Leicester, he seems to think that he probably won't be going anywhere this season. Um, but for someone who's thirty and can still offer offer something out wide, it is a a sensible addition. I think if Villa could get him for a, a relatively low fee, I feel like the question would be, and I mean this might sound funny, but would he become better? Than the is he better than the player Trezeguet could become? And it's a lot of kind of hypotheticals there. Um, but I know Trezeguet really did kick on quite well. And Dean Smith says that a lot. Like he kind of, he was a dramatic improver in that team. And hopefully that kind of rise continues because he can be, he's got, you know, he's got the speed. Probably the finishing has kind of developed there at the end of the season. He's kind of, yeah, on with, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's kind of made the best of a kind of tough situation Trezeguet has. But I feel like you do, if you're talking about depth and experience in midfield, you need to realistically evaluate like that evaluate that on the wings as well so Michael Brighton kind of fills that same kind of James McCarthy role for me would you like him at the club on a cheaper price and um, with experience and I feel like if 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 we need that then yes I think if you're right if you were starting next season with your right wing options as Trezeguet and Brighton, I'd be a little bit worried yeah if that was kind of a more flexible Trezeguet can play either side or Brighton and kind of your big level Ben Rama or whoever his yeah. name Yes, then yes, I think it is, it is a good deal. Bringing Michael Brighton back as a 30-year-old to be starting 38 Premier League games, not so sure that will get us to the level that we want to be. Would it be good enough to survive in the Premier League? Yes. Another one on the list that I don't think will happen, and again, feels a bit like I'm playing a, a future version of football manager, Jan Vertonghen. Again, I've kind of put this one in there more as a do we need a centre-back uh, transfer rather than specifically Jan Vertonghen. Do we bring in a big name centre back to replace Mings or or Conso and they become back up to you know pave the way for Engels or Hawes to move on? What happens with centre back? Do you think this is a tough one um, because I really like Esri Conza. I think he's been so do I. amazing in that last run. Even from right back, doing very well in kind of. I know it's, he's played there before. He's he's a right back slash centre back, isn't he? But I feel like. 
there's a part of me that says you do kind of want to opt for the deal if it's on the table because is he an upgrade? And I feel like, yes, he would be. He would definitely be an upgrade. Um, Mings and Vertonghen appeals to me. But then you've got to think of kind of the squad rotation, the squad kind of how the squad feel about that. Will Engels and Konza and Horse be, you know, will, will that enable them to kick on? I don't feel like the same dynamic applies with the wings where it's been far too comfortable because competition has always been there for the yeah. centre-backs. Like we've had four centre-backs for the most part of the season, so the competition has always been there where it hasn't really been there on the wings. Adding another body to that without moving someone on feels like needless congestion, if you know what I mean. I feel like last season we could have done with the experience more, but we got by with the two centre-backs we had, and I feel like the problem for the defence isn't necessarily the centre-back position. It's the fact that they're caught. The, the, the team gets caught out by the fact it couldn't score as many goals as it perhaps should have scored. And that and pushing up the field and being a bit more gung-ho exposed the entire team a lot more. And had, you know, It's like fight, the relegation campaign a few years ago. You're fighting fires and your defence isn't always going to look great fighting fires, especially if the two centre-backs are Micah Richards and Joey Lescott. Another name on the list is one that I've been sent to sent to me on twitter a few times i've not seen anywhere some of these are some of these are links some of these are just kind of suggestions that we've asked for um ruben loftus cheek he's he's still quite young isn't he he's uh he's 24 i think yeah about halfway to 25 so 24 years old hasn't played a great deal for chelsea there's been injuries um i feel like chelsea would have used him this season had they had the chance but I don't, he's not had the opportunity and he was all right for Crystal Palace a few years ago but I feel like he's probably he's probably right at Villa's level but where, do Villa have the room for him in the squad where where would you would you put him over McGinn no no I wouldn't what Villa want I guess is that box to box midfielder and I want McGinn's been progressing a bit more as a 10 so I feel like there is room there alongside McGinn and alongside Louise. But then again, if you're buying McCarthy and you're getting Harahan, are you getting congestion if you get if you get Loftus Cheek, get McCarthy, keep Harahan? How does the squad work then? And I know that the, the substitute bench has expanded, but how much money are you spending on, on Ruben, Ruben Loftus Cheek? Because I assume it would be a fair, fair amount. That's the thing that, that kind of caught my eye when, when I had this one suggested to. He's a player that hasn't played a great deal for Chelsea. He's been out on loan to Palace before, so you would think that if there is a move on the cards, he might go back there, gets to stay in London, that kind of thing. Again, he just falls into the classic kind of big club, English, had potential, so we can still justify somehow getting 30 million for him, even though he doesn't play. And it's like, do we need to go to that level for, for a player that is a bit of a risk? Probably not. There's probably value out there that's better than that. Uh, another name on the list that was one of your suggestions that I've seen in an article that you've recently recently written about wingers, easy for me to say, uh, Ryan Fraser from Bournemouth. He's been there yeah. a few years, Premier League experience, pace as well, something that Villa need. I think he's a free agent now, isn't he? So again, not kind of a super exciting uh, name on the list, but again, a sensible squad option if, if it did come to be. Yeah, I think there was questions when Ryan Fraser gets linked. Is the question is about his attitude because he didn't he refused a short term extension to his contract to play for Bournemouth. But I think he had probably every right to do that. I mean, it's um, poor news. It was bad news for Bournemouth very clearly because they're now a Championship club. Um, but whether Ryan Fraser would have saved them, he probably would have been some help. But um, there was questions over his attitude because he can't. He, he refused to extend his contract. Um, because of fear of injury, because he cl- he's clearly capable of uh, earning a bigger move. And I feel like Aston Villa would be a realistic destination for him. As a front three option, uh, I think you'd be very happy if Ryan Fraser, were at the end of the transfer window, when you look back over the player signed, a striker, a few wingers, if Fraser's in one of those um, 
if, if Fraser signed by Villa, he'd certainly be probably happy with that as an option. Um, he, his last season was a lot better, seven goals, 14 assists. Um, but then again, you can't really judge a season for Bournemouth because it has been a, a poor season all round and they've yeah. sank, haven't they? So one goal, four assists this season, but he did excellently uh, last season. So hopefully this is a, his new, next season, whether it's at Villa or not, will be a bounce for him. And I feel like if they were to sign him, it'll be a free transfer. He'd, he'd want decent wages though, uh, which could be the stumbling block. Another player for that left-hand side is Ryan Sessignon. And this is yeah. almost kind of a little bit of a flashback name, even though he's only 20, because the year that he played for Fulham, uh, yeah, this is what it was, the kind of notorious year that every commentator and every analysis was, oh, he's 17, he's only yeah. 17. <laughs> oh, this guy's 17, but he's really good. He's only 20 now. That was three <laughs> years ago, and you would argue he's not really done a fat lot since then, except get a move to Tottenham. Hasn't featured. I still haven't really decided whether he's a, an attacking left-back or he's a left-winger. Um, but, again kind of a player that might be looking to get their career on track a little bit I'm not sure whether that's at Tottenham so if he can get a move away even if it is just a loan a 20 year old pacey left sided player whether that's at left back ahead of target or left wing ahead of somebody or whatever it is I wouldn't be surprised to see him leave Tottenham but again is that coming to Aston Villa I'm not so sure. Well, in that kind of breakout championship season, I think if I remember correctly, it's when Fulham had Matt Target at left back and they moved Sessegnon up to left wing. So that could be really ah, interesting. Interesting um, knowledge there. Yeah. Because, like, if I think I'm right, I'm pretty sure I remember Matt Target playing against That's us in the uh, playoff final. Um, but if I go back to the championship match report in the playoff final, Sessegnon Matt- left wing. Target left back. I've just done a quick Google there, and the, the quote that's come up is Ryan Sessignon could be as good as Gareth Bale, says Matt Target, after Fulham <laughs> extend unbeaten run. Yeah, he played against us in the playoff final, and you had Matt Target at left back and uh, Ryan Sessignon at left wing, and that, that loan move to bring in Matt Target for Fulham uh, facilitated Sessignon press. Um, progressing up the pitch into a more kind of natural attacking position because uh, again like Target is, is, is an attacking left back and I feel like that that chemistry should still exist and I feel like if you were to buy Cessnon you'd be buying him with an eye to pay left wing and filling that left back in my opinion anyway. The last name on the list before I want to look at the, the clubs that have been relegated is kind of a quick fire section uh, that I had suggested to, again, again to me on Twitter was Dwight McNeil from Burnley I've had a quick Google around it. It seems like there's a little bit of interest from Man United. Again, paper talk. Um, only 20. Burnley have got no reason to have to sell. If they don't want to, they can kind of, again, name their, name their price a little bit. This probably hinges on what happens to Jack Grealish because if, you know, if he goes and you say he has a lot of money to now spend on two certain players from Norwich, Dwight McNeil, kind of upgrade a few positions to kind of fill in for the loss of one massive player. And yes, but... If Jack Grealish doesn't go, I find it quite hard to see where the amount of money would come from, again, without deflecting that key purchase. Because it's going to be the fee Burnley would want and their right to ask for it is a massive fee. Looking at the the teams that went down is where there's probably a few interesting names and we're not going to kind of go through each one one by one. I'm just going to rattle off the names I've got for each club and kind of let you pick one out for me. See if anyone could be a kind of cherry picked away from those championship sides now. Um, so we'll start with Bournemouth. The four names that I've picked out, let me know if any of these stand out. You've got Philip yeah. Billing, David Brooks, Josh King and Callum Wilson. Now the exciting feel... one there for me when I look back through seasons gone by, the name that I thought would be a standout was David Brooks. Yeah. Whereas last year, not the best year, but then again in a, in a Bournemouth side that wasn't brilliant anyway. So can you judge too much from that? He was very good the year before. He had a lot of injury. He had a big injury as well, and he came back in kind of a lockdown situation where Bournemouth looked kind of cut adrift anyway. And those four names, I feel like 
in isolation, you'd be very happy if Villa signed any one of them. Um, Callum Wilson, Josh King, you know, clearly decent striking options. David Brooks, clearly a decent uh, central midfielder. But Philip, Philip Billing stands out to me because he's a bit of a... Uh, Bit of a tough guy, isn't he? I remember him uh, at Villa Park earlier this season. He's been twice relegated with Huddersfield and Bournemouth. But he stands out to me as a talented uh, midfielder. So, you know, with a bit of bite. But I feel like you've got a lot of that in, in Douglas Louise. If you buy James McCarthy in Marvellous Nakamba and even Conor Harahan a bit a few times, you've got a bit of bite in that midfield anyway. You, you kind of just want that one player. That's all he does is scare other people, I feel, is what, uh, what Villa want. Uh, from a new centre midfielder, and I feel like that option could probably be found elsewhere for a little cheaper. So, David Brooks, I think, stands out for me if you used to have anyone. On to Watford. I'm going to save the one now until the end. Um, Gerard Delafeu, which I yeah, always but, spell wrong, so well, I hope he doesn't sign. You I pronounce can't, it perfectly, though, don't you? Good, good pronunciation, but I can't, I can never spell it right, so I'd rather not have to write that out regularly. Uh, Ismailia Saar, again, yeah. not bad, I don't think, and Abdullah Decore. And the fourth name I've seen a few times on Twitter, Troy Deeney which I could not stand the thought of Troy Deeney playing for me. Like, he hates us. I, for one, hate him. I just can't ever see that being a scenario where I see Troy Deeney holding up a Villa shirt, looking happy or pretending to look happy. It's just weird. Now, other clubs are welcome to Troy Deeney. I feel like, if it, again, it's one of those deadline day things to Villa need a player. Is he cheap enough available? Yeah, you kind of take him and that's it. Like Nothing more is thought of it. Uh, I don't think he should be the linchpin of Villa's transfer you know what they want because there's a, and that goes for most of these players right because uh, with a few exceptions that they're all in relegated clubs and that does that shouldn't reflect on an individual player but I feel like if your entire transfer business is made from relegated clubs it kind of sets a standard you know what I mean yeah like, fair. I feel I, it doesn't reflect on the individual players but I feel like there's a, a thought that Villa will probably want to be a little little bit more ambitious so Troy, Troy Deeney he, he does his role very well as kind of like a defensive forward that is willing to bite at these centre-backs not literally um, but he's willing to get in their faces. He's not, he's, he's not a Luis Suarez um, but he's willing to get into the faces of central, um, central defenders and be a, a team leader um, but that's for Watford and then we got, they got relegated so it's not a massive interest for me as him being the main man at Aston Villa um, Delefeu, um certainly he was fantastic at Milan a few few seasons ago he was good this season he was even better last season and I feel like his price point will probably fall perfectly for Aston Villa so if there's interest they should absolutely go for him his mail is even better but he's going to be well priced yeah out. I was going to say Saar is the preferred option if you could only pick one of those two to sign but they're going to be asking 40 plus for him Easily, yeah. and then in that case, it's Saar or Ben Rama. They're going to go for similar fees. Who do you prefer? You get to a certain limit where clubs start asking for 40, 50 million for players that Villa probably are getting priced out at that point this year. I think if we were looking to spend 100 million on three players, probably you'd say, yeah, they could just about push the boat out for that. But because we need five to six players, I think having to spend 40 to 50 on one winger or one striker is probably unrealistic this summer. There's um, Ducore as well, but I feel like you'd be paying a lot of money for him for yeah. just that kind of central midfield. I'd look at Will Hughes maybe as a uh, cheaper option from Watford, uh, as someone who can be a rotation option as well. Um, the final club finished bottom in the Premier League. There's three names that I've picked out. There was going to be a fourth, but I spoke to Jack Reeve, who I know who's a big Norwich fan, <laughs> and he said that Jamal Lewis is not probably not going anywhere out of all the youngsters they've got. I thought yeah. he might be a good left-back option, but he seems to think he'll stay. Um, you've got Max Ahrens at right-back, who again, do you bring someone in to be better than Gilbert? He's looked good. doesn't really... I don't think right back's a massive problem position for me. And the other two of those attacking midfield players, Emmy Buendia and Todd Cantwell. Something I think I've, I've said this before on a, re, a previous episode, maybe when we used to film together. There's something about Todd Cantwell that I don't like. 
I don't know what it is. <laughs> is that the same about... thing other people don't like about Jack Grealish? You think that kind of mythical? Yeah, probably. I just don't just like that, him. But, yeah. but he's, a, he's a maverick. He's a bit of a, a an arrogant player, confidence player. He, he will do things a bit differently. He'll have his hair. Again, this feels very much a Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish cosplay. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. There's something about him that kind of winds me up a little bit. And I think it's almost a bit like, do you remember when we signed Henry Lansbury? And everyone was yeah. like, if he plays for you, you love him. But if you play against him, he'll wind you up and you'll, you'll really hate him. I feel there's similar vibes <laughs> there for Camp. Well, if he played for us, I'd be like, oh yeah, that, I like this guy. But because, I don't know, there's just something about him that just doesn't quite click with me. Brendy is a great player, but he's been linked with Arsenal a lot. Um, that does feel like a, a pretty good fit to be honest so, again I'm not sure what it is about that, that that seems right to me but again I think both of those are going to be bringing in pretty hefty transfer fees um, and again if Jack Grealish goes you would be looking at someone like Campwell not to re- out and out replace him because I don't think he's a, as good as Jack and we're not going to get anyone who's as good as Jack Um but he'd certainly be up, up there as an option For me I think Max Ahrens is probably the one you should target because you know, of the level he's playing at, the position he's playing at. But for Villa individually, right back again, as you said, isn't that important this window? And the fee he would probably command makes it difficult for me to kind of go him above the others. Whereas Buendia can play on the right wing and Cantwell can play across those positions as well. I think Cantwell more. I think Cantwell, if Grealish goes, that should be the bid in for him just so you've got that good central midfielder with Premier League experience, he's English, and he's certainly got something about him that other, te- other teams just do not like, and I feel like that is a very valuable asset to have. Buendia, though, is the is the key one for me, and I feel like out of all those three, uh, did I say that about Max Aarons? All those three, he's the one. Yeah, <laughs> but not for Villa. <laughs> if you're talking generally, Max Aarons yeah. is a good right-back to kind of pluck out there as a, as a young English right-back who's, who's done well. For Villa, like you said, it doesn't seem a massive position. So out of those three, Brendier is the best option, but I think he will go to a, a step above what Villa can offer. Campwell feels a little bit more realistic, but again, there's no reason why somebody like Everton couldn't come in for him or Chelsea or somebody like that, and he goes there, so... Again, I think you, when you look at all these players as, as a whole, there's probably only a handful, and I don't know how many we've done there. It's got to be 25, maybe 30. There's only like three or four that seem realistic to me uh, as yeah. serious options. If you were building your ultimate dream team, yes, you'd have Ben Rama right wing, Tammy Abraham up front, uh, Eze on the left, Campwell in there, Grealish, McGinn, Louise, whoever it is. But it doesn't. it's not going to happen, is it, like that? It isn't football manager. We've discovered after all this time of chatted, there's some good options <laughs> out there. And there's been some paper links. There's been some suggestions that we've been sent. And that's why we've gone through and kind of ranked and rated the, the names Aston Villa have been linked to. But I don't think there's many realistic options there. And I think when Villa play their first game come match day one of Premier League 20. 21. I don't think any of those names will be in there and there'll be players that you'll never have heard of or didn't even consider that have been plucked out yeah. from, from foreign markets or lower leagues and I, I don't think it it's a, the kind of right decision for Villa to go right we're going to spend 100 million but it's all going to be unknown players you've never heard of you might need to sign one or two kind of Premier League experienced players but yeah, I'm not sure there's too many on that list that we've just gone through that are serious options. There's always a lot of names. People said Ben Rama would definitely move last summer and he didn't. And people said Mitrovic would definitely move last summer and he didn't. So there's a lot of these names that people would say, yeah, he's got to go this summer. Probably not necessarily Ben Rama and Mitrovic, but there's a lot of names in here that probably won't make that move anywhere this summer. So it'd be good to look back and see where these players have ended up because I feel like a lot of them will be in the same place. <laughs> Even at um, relegated teams like Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich, a few of these players may be at the same place. Well, yeah, um, because people I've... would have looked at Villa when they went down and said, well, Grealish won't be there. 
and, and things yeah. like that. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't always work out, does it, that you just no. think, oh, he's bound to go. Campwell is from, he's born in Norwich, isn't he? I think he's in, I don't know whether he's a Norwich family, he's from the area. So you might think, oh, one year with the championship might be okay. Like yeah, one year of absolutely like lighting it up because he did well this season and to you know, drop that level in a team that clearly relies on kind of going up, down, making the most of those parachute payments and building the better squad each time. Like I would be very kind of as a Norwich, if I was a Norwich fan or a Norwich player, for the most part, you'd be excited about the opportunity that next season could bring, especially just smash the league, wouldn't you? Because the season is creeping up on us four or five weeks away, you would assume that players are going to start moving pretty soon when they get back off their holidays. So there'll be plenty of uh, action and reaction for us to to go through. Uh, thank you to James for, for joining me on this uh, lovely Tuesday afternoon. It's been fun, hasn't it? Enjoyed yeah, it? Yeah, it's been, been brilliant. It's been uh, testing my mind because I feel I like there's a lot of the similar players, right, that you like, you say the same things about because they're similar. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's been it's been a fantastic. Who knows what Villa will do? Who knows who Villa will buy? Who knows what happens? Because uh, some of these players will certainly end up somewhere. Yeah, so we'll be back in a few days. Thank you very much for tuning in. We'll see you soon. And up the Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the Villa. Up the Villa.